again to Camp Friends Talk Movies. This is podcast number 18. Today's April 6, 2016. Uh, we'll jump right into it. Bees, have you seen any movies lately? I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, people are mad. Not mad, but they're annoyed that it's, it has the Cloverfield name, but it's not really... I mean, no big spoiler. It's not tied to that the first movie. Well, I mean, it's in the same universe, I think they would Is say. Is it really? Like, officially? I think they said it's it's a, not quite a sister movie, but in the same vein as Cloverfield. They say they have a trilogy in mind. It's produced uh, by J.J. Abrams, who also produced the original part of uh, Bad Robots Slater Productions. Yeah, it sounds like usual. Wishy-washy J.J. Not as a knock, the guy does make good things, but he likes to be ambiguous. The mystery box and all that. Well, he's a master marketer. Yeah, I don't think it always works well, though, in the end. It gets people to see the movies, though. So well, yeah, that's thing. the name of the game. But, you know, it's frustrating sometimes afterwards, and sometimes it works. Uh, for this one, it worked because no one knew about it till a couple months before it was released. Right, right? They, I mean, uh, they released trailers, I think, during the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then it was out two or three months later. I said it was a very quick production as well. Yeah, whether or not it's connected to the first Cloverfield, I like the idea of that just kind of being a name for kind of low budget, not as a knock, just like a, a uh, I can't think of the word. Yeah, low budget. Like a horror thriller. Movie. Yeah, or thriller movies. Uh, nothing too big, nothing too fancy, but like just somewhere to tell like simple stories that aren't, that don't need like a lot of, uh, a lot of build up and a lot of marketing and everything. Just you're telling good stories. I mean, kind of piggybacking on that, though, I don't know if I would be as interested or even gone to seeing it had I not known that it was related to Cloverfield in some way. Because if it was just a generic thriller or marketed as a horror movie, then maybe not. I mean, but if it I... had John Goodman in it, though, I'd probably... I'm interested in anything that guy does. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess what I'm saying, though, is like I, Cloverfield became a name kind of synonymous with that kind of low-budget horror sci-fi like the first Cloverfield, like 10 Cloverfield Lane, I'd be fine with that being, like, it's basically like a Twilight Zone type series where each one can be its totally own thing or it could be connected and they're just telling a good story uh, with this same kind of, not, low stakes for the audience. Yeah, so while I believe they aren't supposed to be direct sequels or prequels or whatever, I think it is supposed to be maybe chronologically or within the same overall event because they say they do have an idea for a third one but like you said if it was small budget with you know quality people attached to it then mm. definitely be interested in seeing it i mean anything with the bad robot insignia attached to it since maybe 2006 i've gone been interested in starting what with mission impossible 3 yeah alias pretty much so yeah i'm looking forward to more of that i think you know i mentioned john goodman who i mean it even goes without saying anything he's in these days he elevates and he's just on quite a roll, but what's kind of sneaky about it, I mean, there's only three real main actors or actresses uh, in it. Excuse me, Bradley Cooper does a voice in it. Oh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I won't spoil uh, who he is if you haven't seen it, but... It's literally in the first two minutes. My favorite actor in it was John Gallagher Jr., and you would know, you've probably seen something he's in, even if you didn't recognize him or recognize the name. He's uh, the producer in the newsroom. Yeah, right. He's also in uh, one of our newer favorite movies, uh, Short Term 12. Which is really good. He's one yeah. of those guys who he can grow a beard and you don't recognize him. Also, for some reason, I thought he was British, but I guess he's not. He's from Delaware. I don't know. For all, for all I know, he might be. I just know in the things he's he's been in, he's been American. He's been in really like in every other HBO production that Wait, they've done. for some reason, was he British in Newsroom? Because that's what I'm thinking. No. He just worked for the British lady. Yeah, okay. He was like he was her producer in the field, and he was kind of hopelessly in love with the other girl who like they kind of made a ditz or a genius depending on what episode you watched. And she was in Scott Pilgrim with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who does a really good job in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, so it comes full circle. I mean, she's the main lead of the movie, but John Goodman and John Gallagher Gallagher Jr. both really have uh, good moments as well. Everyone has nice spots in it. It's a very tense movie, and the at least the one preview I saw, it managed not to show too much past like the first what half hour, forty five minutes. Yeah. So speaking of that, you are off trailers, or at least you're avoiding them as best you can these days. It started, but what about like 
a little over half a year ago. Uh, yeah, it was right before one of the Star Wars previews came out. Um, I think, if anything, those trailers did a good job of masking everything. I mean, that I know can't I'm... be said for Batman vs. Superman, which we'll get into, but... Yeah, that that's like a special edition episode, almost. Um, no, so, uh, yeah, I saw the first teaser on my phone at work. Excuse me. Um, and shortly after that, sometime last year... I, I call off movies. The kind of final straw was Doug Benson from Doug Loves Movies. Doesn't watch movies. Uh, Red Film Could Hulk is off them. They kind of have plans for going to the theater when they're done. I don't do that. I'll see them in the theater, but I'm not going to, except for the times when I've slipped up in the last month, not going to seek them out online. I, I don't know. It's just kind of, you get too used to seeing, the, you see the preview too many times. I'm someone who watches previews a few times. And it's too familiar. Then you notice the moments in the movies when they happen rather than you're in the movie. Yeah, see, I've always been on the flip side of that. I've always enjoyed, and maybe this is just because I have too much free time, is, is analyzing the, the previews on different uh, fan websites or kind of like trying to piece together the movie. And then, you know, I'm always inevitably disappointed when I've kind of pieced it together for myself. And yeah. Like I said, Batman vs. Superman, well, not a lot was surprising other than that it wasn't as nearly as good as I thought it'd be, but again, we'll get to that. So I guess there's kind of two sides to the coin there, but one thing I uh, I don't want to hop back to too much, but I only saw maybe one trailer, maybe a few different times scattered for 10 Cloverfield, and I think that contributed to me enjoying that even more, because that was something, with word of mouth, they said, know as little as possible about it before right. you go into it, and it's a better experience for it. And, and yeah, they... they... They manage to tell you just enough without giving away too much. They give you the central mystery, but they don't tell you any more than that. And it's not even really about that. Yeah, so uh, we don't have to talk about it for too long. Uh, Batman vs. Superman. I had high hopes for this initially, not because of Zack Snyder, but because of the rest of the people attached to it. What uh, the DC comic universe was trying to do and uh, somewhat imitating the Marvel uh, comic book universe, or what's the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Cinematic Universe. Uh, but trying to do it in one fell swoop instead of over five or six years. Kind of reverse engineering it on the screen for us. Yeah, and then them thinking that they're smarter than Marvel, which backfired in a rather large way. Yeah, and they seem to think it's much more serious than Marvel. People seem to think serious and fun. Now, see, I don't have a problem with it being serious. It's just that but I think the Marvel movies are serious too. They're just also fun. Fun and serious aren't opposites. But serious doesn't have to automatically make it bad. It's just that it doesn't really know what to do with its characters. I think Superman. If anyone's serious, it's Batman in the comics, and Superman's a, a little not. I don't want to say jovial, but he's a little uh, lighter in terms of the way that they write his comics, and it just seems like it was exactly the opposite in this movie. Batman got really the only jokey bits in it, and that not to say that there were many, but I mean, in seventy-five over seventy-five years of the comics, they've kind of all done serious and silly in any iteration. Uh, they've done it, so you can you can take any tone you want really, and still have it be the core character as long as you follow a few things. Um, but I'm saying, all right, when I say serious, I referring to them, I mean they take themselves too seriously, which is a problem for. Listen, if you can't, if you have hesitant, if you're hesitant to take your kids to see a Batman Superman movie, someone made a bad Batman and Superman movie. That's very true. Um, I feel like Marvel really walks the line in the best possible way between. Yeah, there's like inside jokes for adults. There's violence, but there's no brutal deaths or anything implied that would be too terrible. Which isn't to say there's not some dark stuff. There's dark stuff. I mean, there's Disney guys movies. get their pants chopped off in, in some of the Marvel movies. Uh, get their pants chopped off. Hand. Hand. Hand or or half that actually of an is arm. a deliberate thing uh, for Phase Two. They're trying to. Oh, I know. They're they're arm. setting it up, but I mean, that's you know they showed that on screen. There's things that have happened in these movies that they don't shy away from, but I mean, this one they just they seem to glorify it. More so than it being like necessary or just a byproduct of it happening. I mean, can we? How how, how spoilery do you want to get here? I, I think I think there's enough, only, time, enough like, time has passed. And like I said, thing you can spoil in this movie. There's well, one thing. Yeah, and like I said, and we won't do that. If you've seen one trailer, then you've seen basically the entire plot of the film. They said otherwise before it came out, but you've seen the film. 
if you've seen any of the trailers. Right. Uh, so I guess if you want to look at a kind of keystone example of how they botched it. So the Marvel movies get a lot of flack for, and I, it sucks comparing them because they shouldn't, they should be able to be their own thing, but it's, you're going to have to compare them because they're the two big names. Um, it's like Nintendo and Sega in the 90s. Uh, it's been around for a lot longer. Anyway, so Marvel movies get a lot of flack for setting up future movies, for tying in other movies too much. Thanos showing up in Guardians gets kind of criticized. I really well, I think, think Age of Ultron gets criticized the most, somewhat unfairly. There's but... like two minutes where Thor goes into a cave. But even those moments in that movie then affect events later in the movie. Uh, when it's something that's purely a teaser for another thing, usually they put it post-credits or during the credits. Batman vs. Superman stops the movie to a halt right before the big climax to basically put the, hey, here's what's coming up next in the next few years. Right in the middle of the movie, yeah, and in not, an email, no less. Not not even that, but the the editing the editing on it is so poor. I wouldn't even call it editing because there really is none. It's it's you know they there are some good scenes, believe it or not, but they're just haphazardly thrown around, and the order of them don't even make sense. And like B said, that there are at least two scenes that could have been tacked on as awesome post-credit scenes or mid-credit scenes or however they wanted to do it but there was no post-credit scenes they were just thrown into the movie for no other reason than to set them up and it didn't even fit in with the story whereas marvel can you know shoehorn it into the story and it seems to go with the flow of it not to be completely negative but there are about 20 percent of things that i did like in this film and the vast majority of that were the batman parts if i had to give it one compliment i'd say ben affleck's batman succeeds despite Zack Snyder directing the film. As far as his acting goes, yeah. Uh, we still haven't, I don't think, gotten the right Batman, unless you count Kevin Conroy in the animated series, which had a movie also released in theaters, so I guess you can count it up there with that. Well, they'll have another one soon in The Killing Joke as well, but, that but won't, that'll not, be straight to DVD. That's not like the same... That's not the same universe, though. It's just by the same guys. Yeah, all the same voice actors, correct. But it's not like a continuation of the series. It's just... A separate story that happens to have the same actors, like Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. Have yeah, the same I'm not sure of the continuity of it, but I know they have the uh, the same. It's animated the same way, the same voice actors. So I mean, it might as well be canon, but I just I don't think they can link uh, yeah, pretty much a rated so. R comic to a lighthearted like PG rated kids yeah, show. Hopefully, they fix some of that stuff. But but Batman and Batman vs Superman stole some very bad bits, but. Ben Affleck as Batman, I enjoyed, and Jeremy Irons as Alfred's. Their their relationship is fun, and it, uh, it it's it has life in it, unlike a lot of the movie. Yeah, I don't quite agree with his motivation motivations for fighting Superman. There are probably it's a, a million better reasons for him fighting Superman, and they really kind of retconned the end of the last Superman film to be like, hey, we met this all along, not because the fans demanded it, but because this is how it should be. Yeah, and they're. Probably going to do that again in the future. If it makes it better, in this case, it, I guess, it yeah. didn't really make it better because that's their only motivation. I mean, yeah, they they supposedly went back and they're shooting, reshooting some of Suicide Squad to put in more jokes. Um, which I guess, yeah, it's good that they're at least trying. And they, they're saying Aquaman's going to be fun. They keep saying fun, it's going to be fun <clears throat> as a response to uh, negative critical, critical reactions. So really just sum it up, uh, if you haven't seen it and you're on the fence about it, know that it's a serious movie, there's some nonsensical things. I wouldn't say it's like the worst superhero film. I mean, I think some critics went a little overboard in ravaging it, but that's only because the standard has somewhat been set by Marvel and other superhero movies that have just completely nailed it. So in one sense, we've been spoiled. But, uh... You know, to sum it up, Batman was good, and I hope they fast-track a Batman film as soon as possible, because I'd love to see more Ben Affleck as Batman Jeremy Irons. Are they really calling it The Batman? I don't know what they're going to call it. I just hope they make it. I just want to see a good Riddler for once. That's you don't like Jim Carrey as Riddler? I like... Uh, you know, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones hated yeah. working with him? I read that. He story. said, what was the quote? It's something like, I cannot abide your buffoonery or something to Jim Carrey. I don't know. Because he admitted to Jim Carrey's face that he hated him. <laughs> I, I can hear Tommy Lee Jones saying those exact words. Buffoonery was involved in, in what he said. <laughs> I, I know that much. 
Um, so what else have we missed since October? Uh, Star Wars. Uh, so I just rewatched it on Monday, Monday night. Yeah, right before it came out on Redbox, I stupidly, not stupidly, but bought it when I could have just bought oh, it. I bought it. It's great. I'm going to watch it a few times. Yeah, I'll probably watch it again. I liked it a lot more the second time. Um, I, don't know, we, I think we can assume everyone's seen this, right? Yeah, no, there's... So... It's been out. There are a few little things here and there that bug me in the movie. I think the plot's a little too much of a rehash. That's fine. It's not a big deal. R2 waking up the end really, really puts a damper... Like the last, so you're gonna jump right to that. It. You can make other leaps of of logic and conclusion. I can make a ton of leaps of logic and conclusion, but that is over the overboard on that. Well, I think, I mean, and maybe they'll go back huh? and explain it in some way. But <laughs> I mean, I think J.J. Abrams has said that, you know, he connects something with Luke, or that he was kind of in like low power mode, and and them being back with the map because I mean he's only around BB-8 for a few hours this all happened everything in that movie happens within the span of like two days like I can buy the Millennium Falcon being on Jakku and Han Solo being in the vicinity and those two guys after Han Solo being in the vicinity I can buy all that just the R2 waking up it's just it's too much and I it's a stupid thing to fixate on it doesn't there's so much other good stuff in the movie of course the new characters are great I I People say Daisy Ray, Ray has no flaws, and it's a Mary Sue, which usually they're misusing the term, but she actually does have flaws, and I think she's a full, you know, a yeah, she real she's very headstrong, maybe even to to a fault. And, when she's you know, uh, she kind of accepts this familiar discomfort simply because it's familiar, like she doesn't want to leave Jakku. Um, she wants to go back. She doesn't want to kind of pursue a different life. Yeah, I mean, and what were Luke Skywalker's faults? I mean, he's like, Michael Scott, what are my faults? I, I care too much about Luke's, my friends. Like, you know, Luke's faults were he was a whiny little bastard. He was just a pansy, I mean, throughout most of the films. And the first one. Yeah. Second one, he's a little too, I don't know, broody. But, I mean, she's basically just, just Luke for the new movies, but even an even better version of it, if I, if I can say. I mean, the new characters are great, and I loved the fact that the old characters were only there to really pass the baton, and they don't overshadow them throughout most of the film, which is great. There's no, like, hey, look at this. And even, like, the C-3PO bits where he, like, shows up and he's like, you might not recognize me because of my red arm. Like, he's been working stand-up comedy in the meantime. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, I, I, I did, I liked it more. I liked it when I saw it. I only saw it once in theaters, which is weird um, for me, usually. But um, I liked it more the second time I watched it, so... Yeah, I'm excited to see what Ryan Johnson comes up with for the second one. And I am praying to the Force that someone doesn't mess up Episode 9. The third one? Yeah. Of the trilogy? Oh, yeah, because it's Colin Trevor, our favorite director of Jurassic World. But uh, Ryan Johnson, maybe he'll get uh, this this decade's equivalent of The Empire Strikes Back. He's one of the best directors out there. And he's writing it, too, as well, right? I, he's not, him and JJ and whoever else. Yeah, he's he's at least working on that stuff. Yeah, and uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with Ryan Johnson, just watch uh, Looper. I'm gonna also add on to that. Watch, well, also watch Brick because that's good. But also watch The Brothers Bloom, which is my favorite of his movies. I believe Brick at least is on Netflix. I mean, that's where I saw it. It might cycle in and out of there, but yeah. they're all easy to find. So yeah, I mean, Looper's um, on FX every other day. It is a very FX movie. Uh, one movie that I recently watched, if we're talking about movies that just came out uh, on demand or on video or digital or whatever they're calling it these days, was Crimson Peak. And now are you, Did you see Crimson Peak? Yeah, actually, well, that's going to segue. But yeah, I, I saw it and I really, really liked it. Um... I mean, so Crimson Peak, uh, they kind of marketed it as a horror film. If you're not familiar with it, you probably saw commercials where it looks like the blood stained ground and this giant gothic mansion and Tom Hiddleston, it's, Jessica it's... Chastain. And what well, can't say her name, Alice from that Alice in Wonderland movie, mm-hmm. the the live action, not not the animated. Well, whatever. Um, that was a joke. Oh, it might as well be with Johnny Depp yeah. and his silly hats. That's yeah. So uh, yeah, I really like that. It is just a gothic romance horror. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it was it's so much in that genre that like I think people have an issue with um, I guess kind of how, kind of how convenient some of the things are or how. Blunt some of the just gonna are. harp on that all night. No, no, I'm saying I don't have a problem with it because it fits right in with the genre. 
See, that stuff works in Crimson Peak. So you like that's it? the genre. Yeah, oh, I love that. I loved it. It's actually, I have a list of the movies I've seen so far this year. I'm trying to do. Okay, go for it. I mean, I, I, won't, uh, I won't stay too long on it. I just say I recommend it. I like okay. all the cast involved. And Guillermo uh, del Toro, when he actually finishes a project rather than just talking about it. But uh, this was good. And I recommend it as well. It's not uh, too overly scary or jumpy or gory. There are parts. But uh, overall, it's just a really well done movie. Man, it's got, um, what's that guy? The guy from Sons of Anarchy doing another accent. Oh, um. He has an accent. He doesn't have an accent in this one. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, Sons of Anarchy and Pacific Rim. Yeah, he tries an accent valiantly, but. It's just funny because he makes fun of the American accent, the bad American accents in, um, Undeclared, which he was in. Well, he was going to be the original guy in Fifty Shades of Grey before he dropped out at the last minute, so I can't say his choice to the best, but. So, real quick, I'm going to go over the movies I've watched, 366, that really struck me as okay. some stuff everyone needs to see. Tangerine is great. That is on Netflix. So is Fruitvale Station. Uh, I watched Stagecoach, which I've never seen before. It's a classic. Uh, Mistress America is Noah Baumbach's latest. It's probably my favorite since Kicking and Screaming. But have you seen... I have not seen While We're Young yet. Okay. I feel like I'm going to get very depressed watching that movie. Maybe. Uh, Wild Tales is an Argentinian uh, anthology movie, Spanish Argentinian. Um, it's really, really good and really fun to watch. Uh, that should be on Red, Redbox. Die of a Teenage Girl is very good, and I feel like not enough people were talking about it. Really enjoyed Your Highness. It was a MacGruber level disco- rediscovery. Oh, I love that. I mean, if you like uh, Danny McBride, yeah. James Franco, I mean, same guys. Uh, Housebound is on Netflix. That's a good horror movie, horror comedy think i hope it's kind of hard to tell with new zealand accents but i think it's supposed to be a comedy um i can't tell when they're doing something kind of as a goof dear white people which is on hulu plus is very funny and good zero motivation is uh israeli workplace comedy about the i forget what the initials are the the army there it's uh, two women who have like office jobs in the army and how they they kind of want to slack off the whole time it's really fun that is on netflix crimson peak i referenced Tokyo Tribe is on Netflix and really out there, but I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's it's different, and of course The Witch, which I saw recently, and it is a great uh, period horror movie. That's the Salem Trials, like uh, it's not Salem, but it's it's just like a family in the woods okay. on the edge of the woods, and how that falls apart. So. Uh, to back up a little bit, you watched all these during your uh, like mo- movie a day for a year, correct? It's supposed to average out to a movie a day. Yeah, so you'd watch a few in one day. I'm but... very far behind, but I hope to catch up. You're trying it again this year? No, no, this was this year. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So, uh, how many do you need to catch up on as of today? A, a lot. A lot? A lot. Oof. I'm not even going to count. <laughs> if I do like three, if I do two, if I do two movies... A day, every so often, I'll eventually catch up. The only other movie I'd put in a plug for was Zootopia. I saw it because we got free passes from Batman vs. Superman because it took them an extra five or ten minutes to get it going, which I'll gladly take uh, a refund slash ticket to another movie. Uh, Zootopia was good. I wouldn't say it was quite as good as Inside Out, but then again, uh, it's just Disney animation versus actual Pixar, so that's kind of the leap in quality that you get. I thought the animation was really awesome on it. All the animals were distinct and unique, and some of the voice actors were great in it. Uh, Jason Bateman was the fox, and there are a few other standouts that you'll notice as well. But uh, So that was good, and that's my last plug as far as movies go. Getting into TV a little bit, what have you been watching recently? So Archer just started back up. They are doing something similar to what they did in Season 5 when they did Vice, when they kind of dumped the Secret Agent stuff and just did a whole new... Yeah, that's the last one I saw. Oh, well, the... Well, we're at the one after that before. This current season is on Netflix right now, uh, season six, where they're with the CIA. This one, they uh, seem to be doing private eye stuff in California, I think. And uh, and it's been one episode, but so far, so good. Yeah, I like that they're kind of doing anthology seasons now, or like one-offs. I hope so. I hope they keep doing it. I mean, CIA was kind of back to business as usual, and it's still a good season. Well, they originally had their spy group called ISIS, which, for reasons, of course, that anyone would know, they wisely changed about three or four seasons ago, uh, and just started kind of doing their own thing. But it's it's only gotten better as it's gone, I think. It's a a great show. It's something I put on every literally every night to fall asleep. Yeah, it's so easy to just pop it on Netflix and just... 
watch all of it. So that I'm watching Last Man on Earth, of course, which just came back. Um, then it took a break, but then it came back. Uh, that's been good. I, the longer season, I think, is... I guess it's not as immediately... For Last Man on Earth? Yeah. It's trying to tell its story um, over a longer period of time, which is making it different, I guess. And so it maybe rubs people the wrong way a little bit. Well, one of its problems is they signed all these notable actors and actresses to be in it. and But the strength of the show is just the lead... Uh, Will Forte. Right. And and Kristen Shaw. And Kristen Shaw as the original too. But then the producers actually came to them and told them, no, you need to put them in the show more. Oh, the other characters. Yeah, they said, we're paying oh, these people. They need to be in the show. So that's why oh, in uh, season two they come back a little earlier than they, and, they should. Um, and Sudeikis uh, has become Sudeikis and uh, part. an awesome... Uh, Will Ferrell cameo. Will Ferrell cameo. Yeah, Probably one of his better cameos in any media of the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, so I'm watching that. Um, what, I have to go through like the days of the week. I haven't caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Agent Carter had a pretty good second season. Did it get renewed for season three yet? I, I mean, don't It's still think in so. limbo. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got renewed for another season, uh-huh. which I'm surprised that got it before Agent Carter. Um, I'm a few episodes away from the end of Daredevil season two. It has been so much better than season one, and I did like season one. I have to say, Foggy's a little more tolerable at least so far. I'm only about three episodes in, but oh, I mean, it seems like that's one thing that they learned what didn't work and capitalized on what did work. They almost swung a little too far in the opposite direction. Instead of too happy-go-lucky, he's a little too serious, but he is. He's. He, it's definitely more. Um, more, less annoying. Someone made a, f- a funny joke that he's so focused on Hell's Kitchen. I know that's always been his thing in the comics and in uh, different multimedia, but it's like, what if someone was like a block outside of Hell's Kitchen, like screaming for help? What he's, uh, Sorry, lady, that's not my jurisdiction. <laughs> that's probably just, no, Jessica Jones is in Hell's Kitchen too, I think. But John Bernthal as Punisher. As you would know, uh, Shane from Walking Dead, and right. he's also in, what's the, the Tank movie uh, with Brad Pitt? I didn't see that, Fury, though. Fury, that's, that's a good one. David Ayers. Yeah. Um, Ayers? Of uh, Suicide Squad, soon to be fame. Which, Jared Leto aside, does look pretty fun. I think Jared Leto's going to knock it out of the park. I just can't stand that guy. But you haven't seen uh, Dallas Buyers Club. I know, but I like I see his picture of him, and it, it's like seeing a picture of Paul Dano. It's like, nope, I can't do this guy. He's a lot prettier than Paul Dano. That almost makes it worse. <laughs> He's good in Fight Club. He gets yeah. the, the shit beat out do? of him. What does he do in that movie? He shows up, gets the crap beat out by Edward Norton. He stands on a porch. He loses a fight. I don't know. Just some just some people just immediately are like, no, can't do that guy. But maybe, I, I, I wrong. You know, to be fair, I said that about Heath Ledger and literally anything he did besides Brokeback Mountain before The Dark Knight. Everyone, yeah, I mean, I feel like with but Batman once movies we, and superhero movies, it's very rare that someone doesn't really come through. Wait, let me think. Is there a recent since, example? Since, like, since 2005. Is there a recent example of someone being horribly Iron Man, anyone in Iron Man 2, but... No, everyone was cast well in that movie. Nah, with a villain. Uh, what's his name? He's cast well. He just doesn't have a good script. I guess. Actually, if, with a good script, that could have been a great villain. No, I'm thinking of something more recent. Who's miscast? Is it Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor? Sorry, we're off that one. He could. Ah, it's. He's got it. a great pedigree. I. I like. I feel, I feel like it's just the direction. The whole like the director saw like yeah go with that like for all these people and it's just so misguided. What they wanted Tom Hanks originally for the role. Yeah, but what was ironic, for anyone besides us is they what swayed them to have Tom Hanks at first was they saw him in Cloud Alice like not any of his other Oscar winning roles but hmm. that was the one. And which, he's a good villain in that. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe that's what they were alluding to, but, you know, besides Bees and I, I can't say I know many people that saw Cloud Atlas. Oh, see Cloud Atlas. It's very good. With an open mind, I Maybe read, like, a Wikipedia article on it first. Or the book. Yeah, well, that also. Um, Wait, so what were we talking about? TV shows. Daredevil. John Bernthal is really, really good as Punisher. And actually, Elodie Young, is that her name? As the Electra. She's Electra, and I don't... She I'm not than, super familiar with Daredevil. She seems a little different than Is she better than her. Jennifer Garner? Yeah. Yeah. She's fun. Um, nothing against Jennifer Garner herself, just in that role. She wasn't great. Um, no, she's, she's a kind of a fun character to watch. 
And so it, it, the show manages to have a few storylines rather than one storyline that gets dragged out over 13 episodes like season one. Also, the characters, the mysteries in this season, the solutions aren't known to the audience, but not the characters. I think that was frustrating in season one where they're like, who's this kingpin? And we already know who it is, so why are we seeing their investigation? Um, whereas this one, you don't know the mysteries yet, but um, we I don't know what the answers are. So. Yeah, I've kind of been going into and out of the most recent AMC network shows being The okay. Walking Dead, which... Are you really catching up on that low winter sun? No. <laughs> but The Walking Dead, uh, the last few seasons has been better. I mean, that kind of comes with having a constant showrunner rather than lowballing or firing your showrunner every other season, like Frank Darabont in season one or whoever did season two when they really lowballed them and had them sit at a farm for oh, three-fourths of the season doing nothing. Uh, yeah, it has been better. I haven't seen the finale. I read about it. I can see why people are upset. But overall, the season, uh, the last two or three seasons have been a market improvement. Um, the first few seasons, um, the first season was really the gold standard yeah. of The Walking Dead. But uh, like Last Man on Earth, it shows that a shorter, tighter season is better for... I mean, that's that's the BBC method. The BBC's yeah, yeah. proven that time and again. Mm-hmm. And um, HBO. But, you know, we are rabid, and, you know, when you're the number one show on TV, just having viewers that blow the ratings away, then you're going to pump out as many as you can. It has gotten more diverse. It's gotten better scripts, better acting, um, better stories. I mean, they're just basically following most of the comics, just kind of switching up a few characters. But So I've been going into and out of The Walking Dead, one episode behind. Go ahead. I quit The Walking Dead. I just, I found that I was forcing myself to watch it. Like a chore? Like a chore. And when you find a show is becoming a chore, just drop it. You're going to be better off. Yeah, I can see that. I was pretty much watching it just so I could talk about it. And even, what, Philby quit the show like two seasons ago? Yeah, that used to be like his thing. Yeah. I don't know, that could have also been because he lost cable, so on the, I think that kind of coincided with it, because it's not on Hulu. No, it isn't. I think Fear the Walking Dead is. I'm not sure how I Hulu works. Also on AMC, Better Call Saul, the notorious um, Breaking Bad spinoff. Like I, I think I've said it before, but it's a much slower burn than Breaking Bad. It's more methodical, a little slower, very much slower than Breaking Bad. But the characters that it has are great between Mike and Saul, who goes by Jimmy at this point on the show before he mm. changes his name. How much of a co- more of a comedy is it? Not too much more of a comedy. Okay. It's kind of the same ratio where there's bits of levity and jokes, but it's it's more of a serious drama than it lets on. I know it's on Netflix, but I am behind on that one. Yeah, so season one's on Netflix. I mean, it's not something that you have to binge all the episodes at once, right. like Breaking Bad. It's not ending on giant cliffhangers. It's more of something you can sit back, relax, enjoy, watch it at your own pace, which is kind of why, you know, it's not really like a spoilerific show. There are Breaking Bad universe characters that show up in here, but it's not gratuitous. It's not like, hey, look at these guys, kind of like a little bit like people in Star Wars where it's, where yeah. it's been forced or... Uh, the big one that's coming back, though, is Game of Thrones. Which, it's exciting, because it's mostly off-book now. Yeah, so um, it's new for everyone. It's not like, uh, you know, book readers can thumb their nose at people. Like, I know what happens. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Jon Snow, dead or alive? Well, the showrunners always say he's dead, and they're not wrong. Yeah. He certainly died in the Game of Thrones universe. It's whether he's coming back or being resurrected, which... No journalist has gotten that right to ask them. Right. Now, the books have resurrected several characters. And a theory I've read that is that the show didn't do that just so this would have more impact. So in the book, when Jon Snow might, we don't know in the books, might be resurrected, it's like, oh yeah, we can do that. They've Almost shown it on the show once or twice before. They well, haven't they had, done it in the best name? example. Uh, uh, was it Thoros? Well, he's the one who brings him back, but it's... Um, uh, John, um, yeah, Beric Dondarrion, did they actually bring him back, or is it, like, kind of ambiguous? Well, they brought him back because they showed the resurrection on okay. the show. And I think, um, you know, they've hinted that it's been done at other times or places. Oh, well, it's uh, not as, in the book, it's it's done multiple times. But in the book, they're allowed to be ambiguous. It's, you know, mm-hmm. someone doesn't pop back to life. It's just, you know, they've heard it from a source, or someone else told them that they did it. I forget, is Gregor 
that is he back in the, in the show? He's back. Yeah, he's back as zombie. just as he is in the books, yeah. a zombie in armor. I mean, in the books they call him Robert Strong, and it's alluded to the fact that it's him. But the show doesn't quite have that luxury, so some things are more subtle in the book than they are in the show, and vice versa. But you know, if the show has something, then it's a pretty safe bet that it's going to happen in the books. So I'm interested to see just how much George R. R. Martin, the author of the books, revealed to the showrunners, and how much of that he'll change in the books out of spite. Because mm-hmm. he is notorious for dragging his feet, and I don't know if he's anywhere near finishing the book that the current season is on. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the show is kind of um, its own thing, so yeah, I'm happy to see where it goes. George R. R. Martin has said that no matter what, if you plant a seed in season one with something that's just a tiny difference, then that's going to snowball by, what are we in now, season six or seven Something or like five, that. I don't know. But, you know, that little change snowballs all the way into this, so by now it really is its own show, and that's exciting to watch, and it's exciting to be surprised when I watch it. So mm-hmm. that comes back, I believe, April 24th, whatever the... Same s- with Deep and Silicon Valley. Yeah, which are also, I mean, that's just a quality night of programming. Is that's like the new Sunday night. No, it's, it's, it's the best. Don't miss it. Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Just, I mean, it's not doing anything huge or, or different, but it's just a solid sitcom show that um, everyone should be watching. Yeah, that's Andy Samberg's uh, vehicle ever since he left SNL. Although not this week's, but last week's episode seemed to start kind of a long-term plot, which they, I, it looks like they're going to pursue. I haven't seen it for a while, but they get really good guest stars, and I like the, the cast that they have. Yeah, Jason Manzoukas. Yeah, Manzoukas uh, just did a bit of a stint on it. You would know him as uh, Rafi from the League or any podcast, really. Yeah. He's on a lot. He's in uh, one of my favorite podcasts, How Did This Get Made, about terrible, terrible movies, and they talk about the budget they go through. Paul Shear is also in it, who's mm-hmm. also in the League. Yeah, I've not listened, but I have a very uh, closed ecosystem of podcasts, so it's hard to fit one. Yeah, you can only listen to so many, man. Yeah, and an album of the week, or month. Well, speaking of your albums of the month, uh, what have been... So, you're doing this thing now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you you ask around um, someone different each month for a recommendation of one album that you should purchase legally, listen to, um, kind of like absorb for that uh, given month, so... What have you listened to so far, and what are your thoughts on each one? Uh, they've all been good. Um, so January was uh, Father John Misty, Fear Fun, which is, what, his first one? Was a couple years ago. Yeah, I think he has two full-length albums, at least under the Father John Misty name, and yeah, that's the first one. Oh, that's exhausting. All right. Um, <laughs> second, uh, February was a hard left turn into Kendrick Lamar, which was actually your suggestion, Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, that's, so like, in my opinion, the best album of the past, at least five years, of any genre. I mean, I like all these, so that just goes without saying. Uh, another hard left turn into a band called The Sword, with an album called High Country. It's a little bit of a, it's kind of like hippie metal. Probably the best way I can describe hmm. it. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's my brother's, though, and he doesn't seem like a... He's not really plugged into the, what, the mainstream music he, It just doesn't seem like something he would like. So I was kind of, I was, it was just kind of through me, but it was, it was Well, fun. if you told me that you enjoyed Kendrick Lamar before I suggested it, then I would raise my very, eyebrows. There's very little music I dislike, and definitely very few genres. Or that you were, you were, you know, listening to. Right. Uh, well, that's the point of this, this exercise, is to find music that I um, am not super familiar with. Speaking of which, I've only listened to it briefly because I just bought it yesterday and haven't done a lot of driving. Uh, this month's suggestion uh, was Less Than Jake, uh, Losing Streak, which is, what, 96, I think? So those first three were kind of recent albums. Yeah, within and the past this is, years. This is like almost like a period piece, so that's kind of a nice hard left turn from the other stuff. Um, so I'm liking how kind of almost coincidental these very different albums have been. I mean, while I keep uh, showering praise on Kendrick Lamar, I'm currently listening to uh, a couple of different things I'm listening to. But the main thing I'm listening to that I keep coming back to is he released a new album about a month ago called just Untitled Unmastered. Uh, it's not really new material. It's uh, Anytime he goes on a show, he always performs a new song. And he had so much material left over from his newest album, To Pimp a Butterfly, that he just kind of released it all in one album. And... Usually I kind of scoff at albums that are just B-sides or unreleased songs because, you know, maybe there's one or two good songs, but it's never really that great. But this album is fantastic. I mean, he's really three for three on his discography, and he's so widely respected throughout 
you know, any kind of uh, music criticism or uh, any ranges. And so, you know, he's performed uh, a couple songs on, like, late-night shows. I think one he performed at the Grammys or the Oscars. I'm not really sure for each one. Uh, they're not even named. It's just track one, track two, track three, and it's just a blank album title. But he's the kind of guy that can release something like that, and, you know, people like me will eat it up. And people mm. will buy it and enjoy it, and uh, it's definitely worth listening to if you're even a fan of his work. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, uh, we'll talk about, just real quick, uh, books that we're currently reading. You got anything? Yeah, I just finished Pillars of the Earth, which is old, old, but it's a old, somewhat old. Um, it takes place in the 12th century. It's basically about the building of a cathedral, but it spans, like, a lifetime. Um, it is it these like characters. a sci-fi? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's... It's like Game of Thrones without any magic or dragons and in England. It's historical fiction. Historical okay, fiction. yeah. Um, it was good. It, it took me a long time to read. I don't know why that is. I liked it. I liked all of it. And I'm very happy with it, but I just, I guess, maybe I just wasn't in the mood to read. Uh, but I did like it. I recommend it. There's also a miniseries uh, they made for Stars a few years ago with um, Agent Carter's actually in it um, as one of the leads. Can't say um, I watch anything on Stars other than uh, The Nick. Do they still do shows? Oh, The Nick. Well, I think the Nick is That's Stars or good. one of the Cinemax, one of the two channels that I don't get. But the Nick is great. Quick plug for the Nick. Um, the thing I'm reading right now is Naomi Novik. It's the third book in her big, well, she has like a big series and then a standalone, um, which I read the standalone. I've read the third book. It's called uh, the Temeraire series. It's basically alternate history uh, where dragons are in the world. So right now, in this book, it's about the Napoleonic Wars uh, with a dragon air force on both sides. Uh, oh, that sounds awesome. They're really good. It sounds like what really Game of Thrones fun. will or should be in another two books or series or show. Yeah, well, yeah, the dragons have been around for a while in this one. Um, and uh, she's a really good writer. It's, and having read her standalone, like, that's not just this series. So um, looking forward to I mean, she's written, like, ten of this in this series. So she's been around for a while, but... Um, she's very good. I'm currently reading the book. It's also a mini series based off of it. I think it's BBC, but I'm not sure because I'm waiting to watch it. The book I'm reading is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. It's about a thousand page. I don't want to call it adult Harry Potter because that's really selling it short. I mean, if someone told me adult Harry Potter, I'd be selling Harry Potter short too. Yeah. I mean, they're just completely different. I think the premise of it is it's the 1800s and Magic is just something, if you say you're a magician, you're just a historian of magic that used to be. The magic has gone out of uh, existence, and it's just something that's kind of written about in history books. If you study it, but no one has ever casted spells in at least a few hundred years. It's gone out of fashion. That also sounds like Game of Thrones. Yeah, except there's, you know, it, it's like kind of like Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. It's like British high society, and, uh, you know, magic starts creeping back in, so it's Almost like a thousand pages. I wouldn't call it a challenging read, but I've just kind of been taking my time with it, and it's really good. I've heard good things about the miniseries on BBC. I mean, I really trust anything that the BBC puts out, but I've been enjoying that. I'm a little more than halfway through it, and it's uh, it picks up a little bit after a few hundred pages. So if you get discouraged when you first start it, uh, just push through it because it really does get a lot better, and the magic in it is it's not in your face. They're not pulling out wands and dueling with each other. It's it's subtle. So there's parts where they use it to their advantage in the Napoleonic Wars, and there's parts where they're experimenting with it, kind of discovering things, and there's uh, a, a history of a backstory of magic that they delve into here and there through footnotes or story or lore that they set up as well. So I'm looking forward to finishing that and watching the miniseries too. Um, as far as our last thing that we wanted to cover, since we don't know when we're going to record the next podcast, hopefully sooner than maybe a half a year from now, there are more than a few upcoming movies that we wanted to at least put out there uh, in case you're looking to see something soon or within the next year. Closest S- would be Keanu. Keanu, that's next week, correct? Uh, yeah, no, April 29th. April 29th. So, end of the month. A couple weeks. That's uh, Key and Peele's uh, newest platform or their new movie that they wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks funny. Well, Forte's in it, too. What they he gets a, he gets broken up with, and then he finds a kitten, and then the kitten gets kidnapped. Yeah, so I think it's kind of like a, a hangover scenario, you know, like one thing after another. Oh, but okay. it, it's it's key and peel, so yeah. it's like you know, kind of like they find out that the the cat was a gang affiliated cat, and that 
the Crips and the Bloods have combined forces into like an ultra gang, and they all want this cat. Yeah, and it's uh, the one Peter Atencio. I think so. Who, who was a director on the series. Um, so looking forward to that. Week after that, of course, is Civil War, which is getting really good buzz. I believe, like they have a little better buzz than, than Batman and yeah. Superman. But I mean, I, at this point, you know, you got when has Marvel ever had a, a bona fide miss like Batman versus Superman? No, I mean, and the truth is, they haven't. Their most flawed movies are the Thor movies, and even those have highs that are really work just amidst some stuff that's yeah. And we've bad. discussed that to death, but you know, I mean, you got what more do you need? You have all these superheroes. You have the same writers as the guys who did the second Captain America, which is. By far, at least the top three for me, and and also the acclaimed directors of You, Me, and Dupree. <laughs> well, they got the one guy from uh, what's the vampire movie? Ah, uh, the comedy. Oh, uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, yeah, Taika Waititi. Uh, when what we do in the shadows to do for Thor three, which will probably be an Iron Man three level, yeah, you know, rare third movie gem. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, one movie. That is coming out a little sooner. I believe it's out this week. I neglected to mention Eye in the Sky uh, has the late Alan Rickman, uh, rest in peace, in it. It's a movie kind of about drone warfare. You give me a puzzled look like you haven't I heard of this haven't before. Heard. Well, it's. I, it it hasn't sweet, but been marketed close. really at all. It's like Helen Mirren is someone high up in the military as well as Alan Rickman. And um, Aaron Paul is the drone operator. So basically, they, they find a target. And, you know, it's in, like, a crowded village, so at first it's, do we take him out? Do we wait? Um, and they find, like, you know, it's a, there's a bigger plot. He's got more weapons, so, but there's kids playing nearby. So Aaron Paul's the operator. They're putting pressure on him. They're going back and forth. So I think it's it's a, a thriller, a drama. Um, it's got a lot of good people attached to it, and it's currently showing, so I'm intrigued to see that as well. Hmm. Uh, there's also what? I'm just kidding. I don't know when these are coming out. But High Rise, which has played a few festivals and has gotten a good buzz. Yeah, that's Tom Hiddleston. Is that supposed to be like futuristic or like no clear on that. alternate history? I don't it's know. That's Stacey a movie. Ballard who wrote Empire of the Sun. Which yeah. Is that Spielberg? Well, he wrote the book. The Movies like these, I don't want to call them like low budget, but um, just lower budget and, and not marketed too much. That makes me more intrigued to know nothing about it. Kind of like when I saw Ex Machina. I want to go yeah. into these movies that are showing in the smaller theaters and be surprised by them, not read every single thing I can. What's the... A24 or A24? That's the production... That's the production company. Yeah, it's the same one, yeah. Oh, it is? Okay, I didn't know they did High Rise. They did The Guest, which is on Netflix, which everyone should watch. The Guest. It's uh, Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey. Um, Really good movie. But yeah, High Rise is supposed to be really good. Um, We've got Jungle Book coming up. Jungle Books? I'm hearing good things. I mean, John Favreau. I mean, he's the... He should be credited with the start of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's still Feige, though. Yeah, but, but Favreau was there. He kicked from the it beginning. off. Yeah, yeah, and also provided their most useful stumbling block, which is Iron Man Two. Mm-hmm. Which no, which is a good thing. Um, what, what's the other? What what else is coming out soon? So we did Iron Sky, Jungle Book, uh, Captain America: Civil War, High Rise. Uh, oh, for speaking of Iron Man, we have uh, Nice Guys. You said oh, uh, that's nice Shane guys. Black of Iron Man Three fame. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely clear on the plot. Russell Crowe seems to be a, a guy who beats people up for money. Oh. They owe people money. Yeah, yeah, perfect. When is he not beating people up? Um, Ryan Gosling is a guy he beat up, but then he has to get his help. Uh, I think finding someone who's been kidnapped. It, but it's Shane Black. It looks like it's got the same snappiness as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Ryan Gosling um, soon to be of uh, Blade Runner too. <laughs> okay. Um, they did just cast Dave Bautista in there. Yeah, but it, the preview is very fun. Watch the preview; it's like just enjoyable on its own. I saw it in the theater before I forget what, but um, it's Shane Black also who's a, a Pittsburgher, so kind of deserves support either way. Uh, and if have... you haven't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, go see that. What do you? It's been what twelve years, ten years? Yeah, well, it's you can really find that. Movie. I think you can find that on Netflix, if not some other streaming services. But there's also an Indian movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That don't get, don't get them confused. People. Yeah. Um, we have X-Men Apocalypse. Not as excited for this one as I was for Days of Future Past, but maybe that's because Days of Future Past, I don't know, they had a, a really good story. They were kind of writing a lot of the wrongs that were in it. We don't have to get into Days of Future Past, but I know, I'll still see it, X-Men oh, yeah, Apocalypse. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. mainly, awesome, I mean, I it's it's a comic book movie. I, I've liked all the X-Men movies with the exception of one glaring, well, straight X-Men movies. 
I should say, not spin-off characters' movies. But I just I, I wish I wish they made more like first class. Yeah. Well, I do too, but this is where we're at. Singer's got a very gray palette. I wouldn't say it's as gray or as dark as Snyder. Zach well, yeah, Snyder. that's the weird thing, though. Snyder's other movies. 300, Sucker Punch, they're all very colorful movies. You don't well, I would call Watchmen colorful, but... Watchmen's a little more colorful than Batman or Superman. Yeah. I like I liked Snyder up until Man of Steel. I still like Snyder. I wanted to do his own things, uh, despite his being an objectivist, apparently. I think the um, big draw for X-Men Apocalypse, though, for me, is Oscar Isaac. That guy hasn't missed on a film or show since he came on the scene. I mean, I can't think of any. He's like, he's had, like, you know, what Matthew McConaughey's done in his career is what he's doing since he's started out. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the yeah, list of directors yeah. that he's worked with, the films and TVs that he's done, it's varied, it's great. I mean, so I can't imagine that he won't make a great villain in Apocalypse. I, I'm hoping so. Yeah, so fingers crossed for that one. And last but not least, Star Wars, or Rogue One, I think they're calling it a Star Wars story. What? I don't like that. Um, when is that coming out? That comes out, so I think they're going to do a Star Wars movie like every Christmas now. That's okay, how they so change the schedule. So like next year. end of November, yeah. So it'll be like around Christmas time or around, you know, like winter time. What, there'll Matt? be a Star Wars movie like from now until like twenty twenty every Christmas. Is Mads in this one? Mads Mickelson? Yeah, I think he's. We're on a first name basis, Mads. Yeah, he's one of the. He's one of the bad guys. If you don't know who we're talking about, he's the bad guy in Casino Royale. He's, he's, he's a couple Hannibal. other things. He's Hannibal. I mean. Which is his most notable for me his most notable role. So he's also in Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's when's that coming out? November, and we're getting a teaser this week or next. Pretty soon, we're getting a teaser for Rogue One as well. Not that you would watch them. It's gonna be hard, especially with Doctor Strange, because that's like a whole new look. Um, but yeah, yeah that, Rogue One too, especially because that's who it's the, the Godzilla guy, Gareth Edwards, not the guy who did the raid, who has a very similar name. And how cool would it be to get a guy did the raid to do a Star Wars movie? Well, they got some of the guys from the raid in the to first be in Star one Wars. shot of the movie. Well, you take what you can get. I mean, yeah, it's nice. Well, I think that covers almost everything, uh, at least that we want to talk about. Uh, until next time, I'm Bendy. I'm Bees. And remember to tell your friends, spread the word, and keep on listening. And hopefully, we'll have one out much sooner than the last gap. Let's let's aim for June, July. All right. Hey, aim. 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 We'll, we'll aim for it. No no promises. Wherever we hit, we'll just draw a bullseye around that. Sounds good. <laughs>